When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Space Boys, Space Boys. Space Boys, Space Boys. That's right. It's Binge Boys. I'm Hal Rudnick, and across from me on the Zoom, uh, a man who loves tossed salad and scrambled eggs, Lon Harris. Oh, I thought Frazier. I mean... Or failing that, Niles. It, it would be nice to talk to uh, one of the uh, Crane brothers, but uh, I'm very yeah, happy to be across from Lon Harris. That's me. I don't hear the blues a calling. Sorry, folks. Oh, okay. I, I just, I mean, I don't know. For some reason, I just, uh, anytime's a good time to talk about the greatest theme song in TV history. I'll be honest. Of course, iconic Frasier theme. We all remember it. Yes. I still have no idea, like, what's the story? Like, what? Why is he talking about that? Well, what, what what is that song about and what is that a reference to? It might be, I mean, you know, he says, I hear the blues are calling. Oh, baby, so, I hear the blues are calling, toss salads and scrambled eggs. So I'm Oh, not my. Sure about- and maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Dun, dun. That's how it goes. Thank you. Thank I don't you. know. I don't. I, those are not. That's nonsense. Uh, I hear the blues are calling like someone's not feeling well. Like they're, right. they're down. They're sad. He's, he's, a he's coming down with the blues. Right. I'm, yes, I'm with therapist. you so far. And I've got you pegged. He knows you, what's wrong with you. Okay, it's the it's the toss salads and scrambled eggs part. I think that's my key confusion. Mm, mm. Because even if you were to say e- I have egg on my face, like he says later, like scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Which he says over the closing credits. But that's egg. That's not scrambled egg. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think it's just a load of non. It's crazy nonsense that's yeah. stuck in my brain forever because I watched that show. Yeah, if if I continued to try to um, make sense of it, it would just all be conjecture. That we wouldn't get to the really get to the bottom of anything. Uh, yeah, it does. A, it just it's like a thing. Kelsey Grammer like rift. I get like I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I've never bothered to really investigate. I guess, but I don't know the whole story of like what the hell is going on. Well, they do call Kelsey Grammer the the king of the riffs. He's the king of the riffs, you know. That's that's who that's who he is. That's how he was able to afford a money plane. That 
No, that's a fiction. Kelsey Grammer, the man, does not have a money plane. That's Ooh. Darius Emanuel Grouch the third, a.k.a. the Rumble, a character. I understand the realism, the lived-in realism yes. of that performance, the three-dimensionality. You know, it's like Tony Soprano. It, it's like we, he feels real. Yes, create a lot of gray area in my mind. Right, I understand. I should, I should have said that's how Kelsey Grammer was able to afford... Uh, all of his donations to the Republican Party. Yeah, but, but exactly. Very accurate. It's time for the news with Lon. One of our leading conservative working actors. Evidence that you don't, just being conservative doesn't get you blackballed. He's a very successful working actor. A very Kelsey successful Grammer. working actor. There's this idea out there like Kevin Sorbo is like, ah, James Woods is like, I don't get cast in things because I'm a conservative. It's like, no, you're a dick and nobody wants to work with you. You, you could be, plenty of people are conservative and, and work. I mean, I think if Scott Bayo never spoke up, he would have been one of the Avengers. Well, I mean, his career was so hot. Yeah, like right, Kurt, Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are both well-known conservatives, and they work all the time. Dennis Quaid, conservative, works all the time. Sure, I mean, anyway. just just don't be a raging piece of shit. Right, just just be a good person and get along with people, and don't be like a dick. And Clint Eastwood is ninety, and he's right. still and having he's threesomes in movies, and yeah. he's conservative. And everybody gets to go home at like 2.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's good. What do I got to do today? Talk to this chicken? All right, let's wrap it up. Yeah, and then uh, and then he, he gets the, sh- he, he makes his day. He gets the shots in. And then he's, uh, boom, in Denny's by 4 p.m. for the early bird special. Yeah, there you go. Not, not like this Sam Levinson euphoria guy with his 20-hour days, no shot list. Eastwood, you're in and you're out. You're in and Ooh, you're wee. out. Yeah. When we recorded this, the DGA Awards were last night. It's been weeks later by now, by the time this is on the internet, I know. Sure. Uh, Jane Campion responded to uh, Sam Elliott's criticisms of her film, Power of the Dog. Now, we were on a little, I had some dental surgery last week. Yes. So we've been on a little bit of a hiatus. While we were gone, uh, Sam Elliott, known Western actor, uh, objected to Power of the Dog and yes. it's uh, on the Mark Marin podcast, WTF. Uh, he, he did not like the revisionist take on Western mythology, and he thought that the gay cowboys didn't dress authentically to the era. Uh, when she was asked about his comments, Jane Campion said that he was being a, uh, she spelled it B-I-T-C-H, uh, and she added, the West is a mythic space, and I think there's a lot of room on the range I think it's a little bit sexist. Um, uh, yeah, uh, basically, Sam Elliott uh, w- was saying on Mark Marin that, uh, you know, gay- there was no such thing as a gay cowboy, much like I think it what was it like in Iran or somewhere? They're like, oh, there are no gay people here. Like, I feel like he was saying it wasn't widespread and they didn't that you wouldn't have been able to tell. It was. It, it almost felt more like he was saying, even if there were gay cowboys, you would never have known. It would have been like a, co- a totally unspoken and unacted on thing. Obviously, neither is true. There were gay cowboys who were gay cowboys, and that's just... I, I, I was saying, I, I, I think I said this on Twitter, like, I think people think of, you know, cowboys were like, 
in one area at one period of time. It was like, that was a while. Like, you had a couple decades at least, and it was like a large amount of territory. Like, there was every kind of cowboy that there was person, you know? like. And just to make it clear, like, Sam Elliott's comments were just ridiculous because it's kind of like, you know, it was he didn't want the story being told and he thought it was like just hurting the idea of like cowboy lore, but it's like, listen, there have been, you know, gay people as long as there's been people. And there's, uh, for a very, very long time as well, gay people have had to repress those feelings or, or not show them out of fear of some kind of reprisal or stigma. The subtext I got is beef. It's what's for dinner. Cowboys stay manly truck good, horse good. Right. He was saying he feels like he is, and this is what I think is so funny and fun about Jane Campion's comments, uh, which is like, he's an actor. He's not a, he he seems to identify himself with, with the mythology of the American West. Like he's part of it and he's inheriting that tradition. And it's like, no, man, you grew up in Sacramento. Like, you've been an actor since you were in college. You're not a, a real cowboy. He was never, Sam Elliott never, like, worked on a ranch. He's never, like, been on a cattle drive. Like, he doesn't get to claim that real culture for his own. And that's what it feels like he's doing. He's like, well, but I'm an American man with a mustache, and she's a New Zealand lady, so it belongs to me, not her. And, like, sorry, bro, that is just not how any of this shit at all works in the world exactly it it's does have yeah. a hell of a mustache though oh i mean one of the great mustaches and i'm a fan like i Me like too. his acting it's nothing against him as an actor listen i love that grizzled son of a gun yeah i really appreciate him in a lot of films so there's nothing personal against sam Elliott. i just think he's really off on this one and i enjoyed jane campion getting the better of him of yes. course she ended up winning the wga award last night for power of the dog maggie gyllenhaal won the first time filmmaker award for her netflix film the lost daughter nice. this marks the very first time in history how both of those awards have gone to women directors in the same it's year about damn time look at that especially, folks bold take from rudnick yep especially during international women's month hashtag times up folks that's yeah. what that's the message you're getting from binge boys this week Boom. time is up it's campion's turn yes Jane Campion, more like Jane Champion, am I right, folks? <laughs> Filmmaker. Yeah, let's champion. just wrap it up. I, 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 honestly, do we even need to continue the podcast? Can we just? I think we call it at this point. Or we just like sit here and just pat ourselves on the back for. Uh, do we start like a spinoff podcast called the the Jane Champions, where we just go through every Jane Campion movie? Yeah, I mean, oh, there is the idea. Yeah, we do a, a parody of "We Are the Champions." Um, we are the do, Campions. We are the yeah. Champions. Yeah, I'm looking forward to like you and me three and a half hours just dissecting Bright Star, just fucking top to bottom that motherfucker. What a glorious, like, Lon, what a glorious Lon and Howe, three hours. Five hours in the cut. We're not going to leave a frame of in the cut unanalyzed, folks. Oh yeah, we yeah. we are going. We're going to analyze that fucking thing the same way like uh, some people at uh, you know uh, go over with a fine-tooth comb, like a, the latest superhero trailer for Easter yeah, eggs. Yeah, that's going to be us, but it's going to be Meg Ryan in the erotic thriller in the cut. Have you seen In the Cut? It's good. I have not. It's really good. Not. 
It's an under there. I feel like Jane Campion, like once a decade makes a movie and everybody gets like all excited about it. And they're great. She's great. But then there's a lot of Jane Campion stuff that is also great, but that gets like totally overlooked and like nobody even cares that a Jane Campion thing came out. Like Top of the Lake, when I say that to you, does that mean anything to you? Yeah, that TV show. Right. There's two seasons of it. Jane Campion directed it. Oscar-nominated mm-hmm. filmmaker. Uh, anyway, In the Cut is one of those that just like was a blip on the national radar despite starring Mark Ruffalo and uh, Meg Ryan and being Ooh. really good. So anyway, uh, I recommend that one as well. There you go. Let's move on. Game of Thrones. We got a bunch of spinoff updates about Game of Thrones courtesy of author George R.R. R. Martin who updated his blog. He's... He's desperate to write anything but more novels. Yes. So he's writing blog posts instead. But we got a lot of Game of Thrones uh, little little notes. Uh, 10,000 Ships, that is a show about Dornish warrior queen Nymeria. Uh, that's moving forward. Amanda Siegel, who worked on Person of Interest, she's taking the lead on that one. We've got another series that's based on explorer and trader Corliss Valerian. That one's called The Sea Snake, and that one's moving forward with Rome showrunner Bruno Heller. Mm. Of course, we also have Patriot creator Steve Conrad. He's working on that Dunk and Egg show. That's about the the young Aegon Targaryen uh, and a and a errant knight and their mm-hmm. adventures based on a series of novellas by George R. R. Martin. Then we've got. I I swear this is all real. An animated series set in the nation of Yi-T. This is the Chinese-inspired nation that we never visited in Game of Thrones, but is nonetheless part of that world. Was it ever mentioned on the show? I don't believe it was ever mentioned by name. I believe it's part of... uh, what what is it? Ajai or whatever? Ashai? Like whatever the the Asia... No, a shy star, a shanti. It's it's a shy. I'm right. You know they would occasionally mention like the far off east, like beyond. There's you know there's Westeros and then there's Essos, and we've been to Essos. That's where like Carth and all those places are. They're like Middle East stand-in places, but we never sure. went further east than that, which is where Melisandre's from. Ooh, She'll mention like the from far off. In right, she she's from a shy, which is. Asia. It's it's George R. R. Martin's Asia. And we've hmm. now I don't believe we've ever been over there, but this animated series would be would be set in one of the nations over there. Too much thrones. I haven't even gotten. And then of oh. course we have House of the Dragon, oh, which is no. the next one that they've already produced that yeah, season one debuts right Too later this year. Now, obviously, at least one or two of these more is going to fall by the wayside. It seems unlikely we will ever have this many Thrones shows on the air oh, at God. once. It's not It's not Star Trek. Would they all be HBO? All of these would be HBO Max, yes. Okay. Gosh. These are all HBO and HBO Max. Gotcha. The animated show is just HBO Max. That won't be on TV at all. The others, they're still... House of the Dragon is both. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see. But um, so, yeah, lots of lots of thrones still in the works. I, I I have to be honest. I'm a little cynical about whether people really are are that into this anymore. I think people might be into at least one of them. Like, listen, I feel pe- like they kind of have to earn their like they're not going to inherit a huge, excited fan base. I think they kind of have to earn it all over again. The last season and a half were bad. 
But I don't think they erased all the goodwill. No, I don't necessarily think they erased all the goodwill either, but I think that what you'd hope for with a new, like, a new Star Trek show... Yes. It's got at least 10% of its audience, 20% of its audience is fucking locked in. Like, we'll watch anything Star Trek. And I don't know if Thrones is starting on that footing. I feel like even the hardcores are like, let's see what they got. I don't know about this. Mm. There's a lot of built-in skepticism. We'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. I I agree on the built-in skepticism. Uh, We got to talk about about Oscar-winning actor William Hurt, who Uh. passed away this week, uh, one week shy of his 72nd birthday. Uh, He was nominated, Hal, for Best Actor three years in a row. He Mm. won in 1985, and then he was nominated again in 1986 and 1987. How many of those three films can you name? This is tough. All three. Hit me with it. Kiss of the Spider Woman? Correct. That's what he won for, folks. That was 1985. Accidental Tourist? No! Great guess. That was 1988. He was not nominated, but it's a terrific performance. God damn it. All right, Broadcast News? Correct. That is the that is 1987. He was nominated for Broadcast News. Did not win. And now I'm missing one. The 1986 nomination. It's a 1985 film. Um, He's in it. He's in the news. People are bringing up... I will mention this. People are bringing up that there were... His 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 one time co star and lover Marley Matlin uh, had made uh, some sexual assault allegations against him in her memoir that people are discussing. This is the most famous film they made together. Children of a Lesser God. It is correct. It's Children of a Lesser God. Thank you for the hint. Would not have gotten it without that. Uh, so more recently, of course, known to uh, modern audiences as General Thaddeus Ross in the Marvel Cinematic Universe films. Yes. Uh, also some recent TV roles. He was on Amazon's Goliath. He was in Epic's Three Days of the Condor mm-hmm. uh, adaptation, Condor. And he had a memorable season two role on Apple's Mythic Quest. I don't know if you're a Mythic Quest watcher. Oh, uh, um, not not as of yet, but I've it heard was good it, it was a fun sort of riff on his broadcast news role. They did oh, it was nice. really well. It was really well done. Uh, he went public with his cancer diagnosis in I believe 2018, uh, and he was already visibly you know sick when he made Mythic mm. Quest. So it made it even a little a little poignant there. Oh yeah, always always a fan. I thought you know I don't know anything about the uh, allegations that Marley Matlin has made. So uh, can't comment. I mean, I don't. I have no Just, reason. You got to gotta bring it up. It's part of the legacy. Yeah, I have no reason. To, I have no reason. On uh, you know, I, I are on the side of like you know believing women, and uh, I think. But uh, that aside, um, I've always what I know about the guy is that I always thought he raised the quality of just about everything that he was in, and uh, sure, yeah, I I uh, enjoyed him, and uh, he had he had a great decade in the eighties. Oh, oh my God! Sure. I mean that run, that run, because it's also we didn't mention Body Heat. You mentioned the other Lawrence Kasdan movie, Accidental Tourist, but he mm-hmm. started the decade off in Body Heat. Uh, Ken Russell's Altered States, uh, mm-hmm. lots of great, lots of great eighties and nineties roles. Just uh, oh, yeah. one of those guys that was always a pleasure to see show up in a movie. And yeah. I think that one of the, you know, when you're when you're sort of teaching, you know, younger people about acting or like how 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 performances work. I think one of the things that's interesting to point out is, you know, choices. It's really just about making interesting choices. And William Hurt was a guy that was always making interesting and surprising and different kinds of choices. Like uh, people were sharing that that clip from uh, 
a history of violence today on Twitter. Oh, yeah. His big, he only has one scene, but it's a very memorable, because he's kind of funny. He's playing this, he's the heavy in the movie. He's the yep. mob boss. Jason Vigo Mortensen. Right, but he's playing it in this very, like, broad, kind of goofy way, because they go back, he and Viggo Mortensen's character, they were, like, young together. And so he kind of goes into this, it, 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 you know, kind of this almost comical sort of riffing kind of personality, uh, which is a real contrast to the rest of the movie, which is very somber mm. and serious. And it's it's such an interesting choice, and it's not something that's really scripted. It's like he's bringing this joviality to it. Yes. Uh, because they're old friends, and and it's just such an interesting beat to find. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's why you bring in a guy like a William Hurt. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, rest in peace. R.I.P. Uh, CNN Plus, Hal. Let's talk about this. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you it's got, launching. Uh, it's launching uh, on March twenty ninth. Dancing with the Anchors. No, you, that's not. It's not Real it's, Housewives of uh, CNN. I'll tell you what's weird. I'll yes. tell you what's weird about it to me is that it feels like it's just it literally like they're not just using CNN Plus as a title. It is just a lot more CNN. Like there's nothing different about it. It's just. If you like CNN, perhaps you would like a lot more CNN. You know, I I never and I never would watch. And I never have watched uh, any of Fox Nation. Like that's their right. that their app. But but uh, you know, if if they can do it, why not CNN? Right. It, it's the same idea. Yeah. Where it is just like yeah, you like watching us yell political things at you on television. Now allow us to do it. In, on this app. If you want to continue the echo chamber while you're laying in bed on your on your um, iPad. <laughs> to me, it's just like, well, but CNN's already 24 hours. If I wanted to watch nothing but CNN all the time, I right. could already do that. This it's is like, true. even that's not enough. That's like, even literally every moment of your life being accompanied by CNN is insufficient and you still need fucking more CNN than now you can pay $5.99 a month or $59.99 for a year and they will hook you up with even more fucking CNN. Um, or if you do, if you sign up in the first month, you get it at half price. So only, only $3 a month for more CNN. I mean, give me more of that sweet Don Lemon. When life gives you Don Lemon, uh, make, make more Don Lemonade. It's going to be some TV people are coming over, but they also have new personalities. Casey Hunt, Rex Chapman, Allison Roman, Scott Galloway, Ava Longoria, Audie Cornish, many, oh many more God. getting oh, their Audie own. Audie Cornish from uh, NPR. You know what? I enjoy Rex Chapman. You enjoy him stealing people's videos and reposting them on Twitter with yes, free word like, comments? Yeah, yes, great. Him and Thanks. Patton Oswalt have cornered yeah, the market on that. Give him a show. He's like... Very inspiring. You know what? But here's the thing. At least has got. At least the guy's politics are in the right place. It's, it's. It's. I mean, he doesn't seem like a bad guy. He seems fine. He's Rex got. Chapman he's got. Seems like a he's good got guy. playfully colorful glasses. Like okay. I'm yes. On board. I'm on board. I don't know. I don't. I just. I Next don't get Cooper. it. I don't watch. I don't watch TV cable news. So obviously, this is not for me to begin with. I don't. I don't like CNN. Let alone plus. I need CNN minus. Yeah, you get all Fucking, your uh, commentary from uh, Chapo's Trap House. I get, 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Not not even like the, only the trash left. I only get Red Scare, and uh, mm-hmm. that's it. Those are that's my news source. I did. I watched their movie this week. Well, not there. Dasha, the host of Red Scare. She's also uh, she's on Succession. I forget. I forget her last name. Oh yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. She directed a film last year called The Scary of 61st that's now on Shudder. It's about these two girls who find this inexplicably cheap apartment on the Upper West Side, uh, and then they move in, and then they discover that it's inexplicably cheap because it used to be owned by Jeffrey Epstein, and now it's, like, haunted by the souls of his victims. Oh. Uh, anyway. That's, interesting, I mean, interesting film. On Shudder yeah. now. Uh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, she's my only news source, is the Dirtbag Left uh, podcasts. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I yeah, I, I'm a Rex Chapman guy, or... I don't understand how you could be, a, like, what does that mean, aside from, like, you like, like, cute animal videos and, like, I don't know, like, like Ukraine, he, Ukraine is uh, unfortunate. Like, I don't, what does he stand for? He filters the news through a digestible oh. lens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't tell him. Like, I guess he seems fine. Like, I guess he was an NBA player, right? You know what? Yes, he was an NBA player. He, yeah. He, uh, white guy, played for I think North Carolina. I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, he seems like jovial and you know, like a like a like a like a gregarious sort of individual. He tells me who to laud and celebrate. Oh, he well, tells there you me go. Who, that's to ru- who to rue and shake my fist at. Well, that's important. I don't be, make a move. You need to be told. Before I scroll through Rex's timeline. I do I like understand. him. I do like him. Apple renewed the mystery comedy series The After Party Ooh. for a second season. That will be back. But it's just so Tiffany Haddish is going to come back and Detective yes. Danner will get a brand new case. Otherwise, gotcha. all the other characters will no be spoilers. new. spoilers. So I didn't finish this first season yet. Oh, my God. What are you doing? I, I was know. Gonna, that, the whole point was I was going to talk about the ending. That's why I brought it up. I'm asleep at the wheel. All right, spoil it. Uh, you know what? I'll, uh... No, I don't want to spoil it oh, for here, you. I can... You know what? I'm going to take my headphones off and you wave at me once you're done. No, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Well, I won't spoil it. We'll talk when you finish. If you ever finish, you'll let me know. Were you happy with the ending? Is it worth finishing? I'll tell you this. I don't think this is a spoiler. Okay. Usually, you expect a show like this to really do its best to fool you, you know, Mm. like that they're, that they're triple guessing everything that the internet would be coming up with and trying to like outsmart everyone. And this does not feel like that. This feels very much like this was a story that they had, that they wanted to tell that this was authentically always going to be how things worked out. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't, because it, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's trying to, like, triple outsmart you. It's just, like, a good sound conclusion. And I, gotcha. so I like that about it, that okay. it didn't feel like a rug pull where it's like, well, there's no way you could have ever put this together. It's like, yep, that's who did it. Okay, Checks out. Checks out. Got it. Yes, right, exactly. It's like when it's done, you're like, uh-huh. It, it, it has that sort of an ending. Gotcha. Uh, like, it's... It's a Sherlock Holmes ending and not a Poirot ending. Gotcha. Like, you know, you know how those Poirot endings are always like 
everyone did it all at once. You didn't yes. see that coming. It's right, not like right. that. It's just that guy. Like, yeah. anyway. No Shyamalan nonsense. Right. No, exactly. They're not trying to, like, cheat you at all. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to tell you a story, and part of the story is this whodunit element of clues and whatever. Uh, but we... I don't want to. I don't want to blow it for you. It's, okay, it's thank well. You. It's well done. I'm glad I watched the whole thing. Uh, I still feel like it wasn't quite as funny as I was maybe hoping it would be. Right. But it was like uh, it was a good story. Mr. Robot creator Sam Esmail, Sam Email, as we used to call him on uh, the Mr. Robot After Show. Oh sure. Uh, signed a deal with Apple to develop a new TV adaptation of the silent film Metropolis. You know that that Fritz Lang classic. How oh yeah, like Metropolis. Images of it are flashing in my Maria, mind. Maria the robot, uh, yes. a friend of the workers. No, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm aware of it. I'm I'm definitely you... aware of it. Dumb. No, I'm ki I'm kidding. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's a silent film. I don't expect anybody to have gone back and seen silent films. Come on. Uh, anyway, Metropolis, directed by Fritz Lang, of course, the original, set in a dystopian society where the wealthy live in huge skyscrapers while the workers toil underground. It mm -hmm. follows along as the son of one of the wealthiest men in town tries to bring all the groups together. It's interesting. Uh, people were, like, arguing about, like, it, it, this is not a... In some ways, obviously, there's a lot of modernity to this story. It's like we were talking about when we were talking about the Gilded Age. Like, it's from Ooh. that same era of, like, yes. there was this huge amount of inequality and poverty on the rise, just like in the modern era. So it's relevant in that way. But this movie comes from just a much more, I don't know, optimistic time in some ways, where the solution being proposed in this movie is really, like, the workers and the owners could, like, come together figure out their differences, learn to get along and, like, work together and create a utopian version of society. And I think today we're so cynical, you could never sell that ending. They're going to have to figure out something else for this show. Smells like socialism to me, Juan. In that era, you could still propose, like, a third way, and it wouldn't seem crazy. You know, like, you could be like, the capitalists are here, the socialists are here, like, why don't we all just shake hands and, like, Kendall Jenner will give one of them a Pepsi and it'll Let's be humanize. fine. Like, And, like, right, and, like, that's really where Metropolis leaves off, where it's just like, what if everybody just listened to each other? Okay, my work here is done. I'm mm -hmm. German. And, uh, <laughs> like... You know, I, I feel like that today that's just we, – we've, we've had this argument for a hundred extra years now. Yes. And we're, like, ready for next steps. Like, I don't – so I'm, I'm curious as to what the show is going to be and what it's – obviously, I feel like the setup is what, what they're going to be mining and then they'll come up with their own direction for it. You know? Like Westworld. Like, Westworld doesn't adapt the entire movie Westworld. They kind of – Take the interesting bits and then work on that and then leave some of the other stuff out. Yeah, I mean, uh, and obviously if you're taking, uh, you know, an IP that was last done in the uh, 20s, 30s, you are... the 20s. The 20s, yeah. And, and, and so 100 years ago... 1927, folks. Yeah, 95 years ago, there's a lot of story to tell. I mean, that's a springboard into... You know, and like that's so many stories. That's Elysium. That's, you know, uh, 
Well, just Elysium, but that's so many stories. And it's a little bit of a bummer that a hundred years later, this is still so relevant that like, oh, of course, uh, obviously the workers would live in like slaves underground while the wealthy live in skyscrapers. Yeah. What a, yes. what show uh, isn't like that? And it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, we, <laughs> we've had a long time to work on this and we haven't done anything. Well, yeah. Welcome to capitalism. We can't we, we, we can't have it ooh, without the have wow. and the have not. Man, this show is just on fire this week. Just really bold, bold stands over and over. Just not if not if not afraid to, uh, you know, uh, throw a stone at the. Uh, you know, speak truth to power. Yeah, really. Just like, fuck the establishment. That's mm -hmm, where the binge boys mm -hmm. are fucking at this week. So anyway, Sam Esmail, he's going to work on this after Gaslit. That's up next for him. That's the Watergate show from Stars with mm. uh, Julia Roberts and Sean Penn. Yes. Uh, you know, you, you, you've seen, we've seen the trailer for that one. We watched that. So that's, he's working on that one next. Then, after that, Metropolis. Metropolis. Right. Something to look forward to. Put that in your calendar. Put it on my wish vision board. Your vision board, sure. NBC Universal is in the process of terminating its deals with Hulu. Now, at some point in the next few years, I believe 2024 is when this deal comes to fruition. Uh, Comcast is looking to get out of the Hulu business entirely. They're going to sell their stake back to Disney, who still wants to do Hulu. Mm -hmm. So at some point... Hulu is just going to be Disney Plus for the adults. It's like Disney Plus after dark, basically. Gotcha. That's where that's where this is all fucking headed, folks. I'm telling you right yeah, now. And Comcast is in bed with the cock. Comcast, exactly. Comcast and NBC Universal, they're looking to beef up Peacock. So this is going to really start to impact how you stream shows in the fall. For right now, no changes, but in the fall, all the shows, for NBC shows that would normally go to Hulu, they're no longer going to live on Hulu at all. They're all going to live exclusively on mm -hmm. the cock. Just like Hal said, they're moving full-time to Peacock. Now, this isn't going to affect all NBC shows. Some of them that are already over, like Friday Night Lights, Mindy Project, 30 Rock, so sort of archive shows that are no longer active, some yeah. of those will stay on Hulu. But Ooh. any show that's on TV right now, like your your Keenan, your Mr. Mayor, your Young Rock, you know, the current NBC lineup of shows yes. that you all love and watch. We tweak Law and Order, which I've been watching. Those are those new Law and Orders. Oh, uh, yes. Those are all gonna go directly to Peacock right after TV, and that's it. They're gonna be Peacock exclusive. Gotcha. All right, good to know. So good that know. is coming soon. Look out for that this fall. Final item in the news before we get to some trailers. The Muppets Mayhem. Disney Plus has ordered a first season for this new Muppet comedy series. Oh. It centers on the rock group The Electric Mayhem, led by Dr. Teeth, memorably. Oh. You'll recall them from all the way back in The Muppet Show. Oh, yeah. Uh, Animal and... Uh, Animal's in there. Oh, what's and... the woman's name? Rhonda? No. What's her name? No. What? Come Linda, on. Linda, Rhonda. It's not Linda or Rhonda. You really don't know it? I'm 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 not even I was gonna look up the full band, but I, I can't believe you at least don't know her name. The blonde Muppet. Oh Hey, you knew man. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, uh Ruby. No. Uh, I'm dis I'm 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 disappointed. I'm uh, that one I thought you would know. It's Janice. It's Janice. Janice. You had to look it up just now. I did not. 
I see you like you're like, oh, you really don't know it. And then pause. And like you're looking at your screen and I see your fingers um, typing. How, how dare you? I did not. I knew Janice. I was looking up Floyd, Pepper and Zoot were the ones I was looking up. Great, 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 great. Did you ever see that clip where they were asking Gonzo about, what's the name? Now, this I'm really asking you. I don't remember. What's yes. the name of, of Gonzo's, the chicken that Gonzo is? Camilla. Camilla, thank you. Yes. And they're asking Gonzo about, uh, you know, Camilla and, and something about it. And, and he goes, uh, well, actually, you know, I never know if it's the same. I just, like, find a chicken and call her Camilla. And, like, I never know if it's the same Camilla. Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever see that? Because uh, they were like, how do you recognize Camilla versus all these other chickens? And he's like, I don't know. I'm just guessing. It's very troubling. So anyway, this show. Let's get back to the show. I didn't mean to Janice shame you. I was just kidding. Lily Singh is what I wanted to say. Yes. YouTube sensation. Former YouTube sensation. Late, late night, night host. host Lily yes. Singh. She's the human star of The Muppet Show. Uh, she stars as a human A&R executive. Okay. Uh, who's overseeing the making of the Electric Mayhem's album. Let me ask you this. Um, are our other friends going to be in this? Are we going to get any uh, any Kermit? Uh, I don't I don't know. My guess would be sure, but my, I, I would imagine sparingly, you know, you'll get some cameos per episode that it'll mostly focus on. Ooh. But I don't, they rarely do. Sounds a little light on the Muppets. They rarely do a Muppet thing where you don't get to at least see your your old Muppet friends sometimes. So I would bet that, you know, Kermit's in this one, Fozzie's in that one, Gonzo and Rolfer showing up here, you know, like gonna, right. they're gonna they're gonna make their their make themselves known. Don't be stingy with those other Muppets is all Pepe, I'm saying, Brian. Pepe Henson. the King Prawn, you know. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not a fan of that one. You don't like Pepe the King Prawn? All right, well, uh, just I'm not familiar. He's a new school Muppet. He's been around for like 20 years now. That's you're new an school old to school. Me. You're an old school Muppet fan. Listen, I'm an old fool from the old school, but, <laughs> uh, but only in terms of the Muppets. Yeah. Yes, only in terms of the Muppets. All right. Otherwise, I keep it new school. Right. Well, whoop! It's time to talk about some trailers. <laughs> I don't know. That didn't go well. Because he was quoting Whoop there. The tag team's classic Whoop there. Tag team place. back again. I'm an old fool who's so cool. Yep. Right. That's that's what you're recording. Uh, let's talk about some trailers. The Bubble. I sent this to you. This yes. is Judd Apatow's movie. Uh, a group of actors, they're in a bubble together while they produce the action film Cliff Beast 6 in the midst of the pandemic. What a cast, though. Pedro Pascal, Karen Gillan, Leslie Mann, Iris Apatow, David Duchovny, Keegan-Michael Key, Peter Serafinowicz, Rob Delaney, Fred Armisen, Maria Bakalova from Borat 2. I can keep going. There's a ton of great people in this movie. Mm -hmm. I have to say I could not want to see a movie about this subject any less. Like it, You have no interest. Uh, like, right now, if you were like, Lon, you want to see a raucous comedy about dental surgery with all these people, I'd be uh, like, that's a fantastic cast, but I'm really not in the mood. It's the moment the pandemic jokes start, where they're like, oh, you gotta put this in your nose and wear your yep. face shield. I'm like, I'm fucking out. I'm so, I just, I like Judd Apatow. I, it's nothing against him. Mm -hmm. It's nothing against this cast. I, I feel like both 
I have no interest in pandemic jokes. I'm just tired of it. And it, I don't associate it with something funny. And um, the timing feels really off to me. Uh, and also, I don't get, like, how do you even make fun of big event movies in 20... They're all dumb. They, they make fun of themselves. Like, I don't... As ridiculous... How can he make Cliff B6 ridiculous enough to make fun of Fast and Furious 9. Like, you can't. Yeah, it's, they're already a parody of themselves. Literally, Tyrese is interrupting F9 to be like, are we serious? This is dumb. Yes. So, like, why do we... You don't need to make fun of that. I, I hear you. I absolutely hear you. Uh, and, uh, but I am glad to see that Iris Apatow is getting some work. <laughs> For her. Good for her. Good. I'm not gonna look that up. I'm gonna just assume that she's just a hardworking, struggling young actress who coincidentally shares the same last name. to share a name uh, with the writer director. But Listen, look, there's uh, like there's a lot of Smiths. Is uh, w uh, Will Smith related to Maggie Smith? I don't think hey, so. Hey, here's a thing I just thought of. What? Well, what about this? What if she's not related to Judd Apatow at all, and she's just related to Euphoria star Maude Apatow? Oh, okay, okay. What if it's just a two-actress family? What if they're, what if they came with nothing? They're from Tin you know what, Pot, Arkansas, and they came to L.A. with nothing, just two sisters. Sometimes just a coincidence. You know what I learned? Tommy Lee Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, he's not related to Bridget Jones. Of the diary. I yes. just assumed, I just assumed that was his sister, Bridget, who uh, looks and sounds just like him. Completely unrelated. <laughs> no, she happens to be a British lady and. Oh, and fictional. Uh, no, and not fictional. real. Not and real. Fictional. Yeah. That's a notable thing about her is that she does not exist and was played in the films by Renee Zellweger. Correct, correct. But I had to do, a, I went down a deep rabbit hole to realize she was not related to Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, no, of course, both Maud and Iris Apatow, the daughters of Judd Apatow. That's the hilarious twist at the end of our sad Of bit our about, very fun bit. About why neither of us made it in yes. this town. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Bubble, Netflix, April 1st. Uh, good, good for the Apatows. Glad... Glad they could all come together and finally get some work going. Indeed. The Girl from Plainville. I also sent you the trailer for this one that's coming to Hulu mm -hmm. on March 29th. This was co-created by Liz Hanna, who wrote uh, The Post, that uh, Oscar-nominated screenplay. Oh, uh, directed by uh, Spielberg. By, by Mr. Spielberg himself. Yes. Uh, this is a scripted series based on the real true crime case of Michelle Carter. She, of course, was convicted for involuntary manslaughter after mm -hmm. encouraging her boyfriend, Conrad Roy, to commit suicide over some text messages. So, like, after he committed suicide, they found all these texts on his phone that was his girlfriend who was like, you, are you going to do it? You should do it tonight. Tell me when you're going to do it. Whatever. Uh, Elle Fanning stars as Michelle Carter. Chloe Sevigny is uh, Conrad Roy's mom. Lynn Roy. Uh, what what do, you, what do you think, Hal? You saw the trailer. Yeah, you know, it looks interesting. I may or may not watch. Because um, I've already, 
ingested a lot of this content because I, I watched the documentary. Was it an HBO Max? Was it an HBO doc? Uh, I don't think I've watched a documentary about yeah. this particular case, so I don't know. I'll tell you the documentary I did watch the other day was the submarine one. That 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 one's on HBO Max. Oh gosh. Gotcha. Like yeah, journalist yeah. went down in the submarine with the with the crazy man. That one's disturbing. Oh yes, yes. Oh, I want to see Disappearance of Kim Ball. Yes, uh you recommend? It's very disturbing. If you want to know more, I was I've I remember never... this story and I remember it sounds horrific. Here's the thing about it. I remember the story first breaking. Like that it was, there's this journalist and she's missing and she was last seen in this experimental sub, getting in this experimental sub with this sort of eccentric Danish inventor. Yes. I remember when that happened and then the story was like, oh, and, and she's dead and and he killed her. And that, mm -hmm. that was like it. I, I don't really remember much after that. It was like, oh, that guy killed her and now he's in jail. This really goes into the case and it is dark as fuck folks like i Jesus. did not know what's how, the name of like, it again undercurrent colon the disappearance of kim vall gotcha i'm i'm, uh, I'm that is on hbo max now and it is grim the documentary about michelle carter is called i love you now die the commonwealth versus michelle carter uh i watched that a couple of years ago it's from 2019 okay and uh it uh 2019 or early 2020, I'm sorry. But the the interesting thing, because I remember hearing about this case when it all happened, and I'm like, wow, that woman, that girl, that teenager is insane. This is horrific. Uh, lock her up. And I still think she was in the wrong, but it paints a really fascinating gray area of how this woman's how this young woman's mind works and how she was like really a damaged person. And part of it might have been malicious, and but also she was kind of in this bizarre fantasy world of her own creation. And the, and it does look like from the trailer that the show is going to delve into this as well. Yeah. So, but so I, I highly recommend maybe as companion watching or whatever. It was I like the docu series about it. Yeah. She may have not been homicidal. It may have been more complicated than that. Yeah. And uh, but fr also from the the trailer, I thought uh, L Fanning. Uh, did uh, a nice, they did a nice job dyeing her eyebrows to make her look yeah, like this Yeah, they did girl. a lot of, made a lot of strong brow choices. A lot of strong brow choices, yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a fascinating story. and <laughs> so, Yeah, that's coming to Hulu on March 29th. There you go. And then finally, Slow Horses. This one's coming on April 1st to Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, Six-episode spy comedy drama from the UK based on a novel by Mick Herron. Uh, it's about a group of MI5 misfits who are assigned to a dull, out-of-the-way office uh, that is run by Gary Oldman. But right. then they discover that they've become somehow entangled in a real-life espionage plot. Olivia Cook, Jonathan Price, and Kristen Scott Thomas uh, are also in this one. I love Kristen Scott Thomas. Uh, I'm a, I like Gary Oldman a lot, but I, uh, this trailer, like they spent half the trailer, half the trailer was Gary Oldman uh, saying stuff like, you know, you lot are the rejects. There was no place left yeah. to send you, so now uh -huh. you're my responsibility. Yeah, you know, it's a you're great... worthless. You couldn't hack it in the real world. 
So now you're here with me. All right. Well, it doesn't get any better from here on out. It's no place to go but down. Like, it's just. (laughs) (laughs) I would say that's very accurate, but I found that. I found it really charming. It's like it's, sure. you you're in you're in no doubt where this show is going to go from like minute 1. It's like they're going to yeah. prove themselves. They're going to have this case right. and they're going to prove themselves. And by the end he'll begrudgingly accept that like, "All right, you pull this one out, you law, and then maybe he'll come back for season 2 and they'll have an even bigger challenge." But uh but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it, it looks seems, fine. It looks, it looks fine. fun. I'm I'm gonna definitely check this one out. Yeah. It's a good cast. Uh, it's good a cast. you know he's allowed to be just just riff on being Gary Oldman at this point. He's earned yeah, that. Yeah, at this point, like I he, he can do two things: that or like I'm still waiting for Tiptoes too. No, oh, of course. We're all we're all waiting for Tiptoes too. Well, that's it. That's it, Hal, for the news. That's all I got. Oh, I mean, more than enough. Uh, and for this week, uh, you know, we're catching up. We, we, we've watched, uh, uh, four movies, four whole movies. A fuck uh, ton of movies, folks. Well, oh, yeah. a bunch of some Oscar stuff. I wanted to catch up on, on French Dispatch because one of my favorites of last year, it ended up being, and then this week, uh, Turning Red hit Disney Plus. So I figured we should throw that one on top. Let's talk about them right around the bend. Juan. And, uh, oh, here's an Oscar-nominated movie we could talk about that we yeah. watched. West Side Story. Hey! Rumble. Jet. You're a jet all the way. I don't, I, listen, it's, yes. uh, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you yes. right here. Yes, I loved this the filmmaking i thought this was a beautiful movie yeah. i thought most of the performances were terrific yes. i thought the singing was wonderful the dancing mm-hmm. was great it was it was you know immaculately produced and put together i kind of just don't get west side story i just don't and it's not like i don't like musicals it's not like i don't like 50s musicals yeah. i just it's west side story i i just even the original west side story there's just something about it that feels kind of lame to me. I don't know. I can't get over it. I don't really like it. it Do you like I, Romeo and Juliet? I mean, it's not my favorite of the Shakespeare plays, but yeah. sure. I like Romeo and I Juliet. Mean, I feel like West Side Story, it's it's almost maybe it's too faithful to Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And it should be more of its own thing. I don't know. And I even liked some of Tony Kushner's changes mm-hmm. in this movie like i think that he he does a lot he takes riff which is this very kind of one note character and, and it, no 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 shade to russ tamblin who plays riff in in the 60s west side story yes but this version of the character is a lot more three-dimensional and has a lot more complexity and humanity and tony kusher added this whole scene where he buys a gun from those guys in the bar and mm-hmm. i thought that was really good like and, and so I, I dug changes and stuff like that. It's just, I don't know, on some level, all that stuff of, like, them doing the, the, the jazzy dancing and the gang war stuff, and it's just, like, it just is so broad. I you don't know. know. I agree with you, but for different reasons. I thought it it, do, it is beautiful, and, the like, the lighting and just how, yeah. like, the city is, like, both real and surreal and yeah. like a story this at the same time that like Spielberg's New York here coexists as a real looking city and a storybook enchanted city at the same time. 
it's it's got a magic to it. It's a little bit like the entire city is like a 360 three-dimensional Broadway stage. Yeah. And the the camera is one of the performers. So you're like gliding yeah. and dancing through this and it's like a never-ending stage environment and it really it sometimes feels like there's no physical barrier like he's shooting these sequences Janusz Kaminski the the genius cinematographer shot this and it really mm -hmm. at times feels like there's a weightlessness to it and a gracefulness to the camera yeah. movement that is it doesn't feel like there's anything tethering it like it doesn't feel like it's mm -hmm. physically connected to the ground uh, the it, way it, cameras often it, it do. Is, it, it's absolutely gorgeous, and I was, I was, ta I was like right from the get. I'm like, very cool. But I have some issues with the actual story as well. Um, in as much as okay, so the main thing is, it seems like kind of an ersatz love story. It's like, oh, they're supposed to be together. We don't have to show you like, so just uh, give yourself over to that. These two people yeah, saw each I mean, other and it's like, bing, light bulb, you're the one, googly eyes, and that's it. And yeah, I, I think that that does, in some ways, I would tie that a little bit to the one performance that I really think kind of falls flat, uh, which is Ansel Elgort as Tony. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, listen, uh, a, a guy... A, a guy who's like William Hurt, a complicated guy, a mm. guy with a checkered reputation. But I'm just saying purely as a performance, yeah. I think he's kind of – everybody else is giving this a very sort of naturalistic sort of feeling despite the musicality of it and the the bigness of the emotions. Yes. But I just I just feel like he's too broad and, and he's not really selling the, the – uh, you know, he's not really selling it, and and I, he doesn't really have a lot of chemistry with he Rachel does Zegler. Give a little bit in the performance of like, yeah, I can talk New York. Yeah, in the it's 1950s. a little. It's, it's I can 15, talk it. It's fifteen percent more cartoonish than anybody else. Like everybody's yeah. doing a little bit because it's a musical, but he's doing too theatrical, and it, especially it doesn't match Rachel Zegler, who's playing Maria and who is much more reined in, and it, yes. her performance is so much more effective. And even, I mean, she comes as close. Like I again, this is just me and West Side Story. Yeah. I feel pretty in particular. I know Sondheim agreed with me on this one, folks. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always felt like clashed with the rest of the show and doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like a song Maria would sing. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel like it's this Puerto Rican girl and she's like just naturally coming up with like, it's disarming how charming I feel. Like it just feels too, I don't know. It just doesn't feel right. She comes as close as I've ever seen anybody to really selling it. I, no, I like her. I like most of the cast. Also, uh, just uh, two things. Ansel Elgort, uh, like this unearned romance, it reminds me of one other unearned romance that made me mad. Uh, him and Baby Driver, him and Lily James and Baby Driver, I always thought that was such a flimsy romance. Uh, I mean, and, yeah, like, that, that movie that movie sucks. Like, it's it, it, both of them, it's like googly eyes, googly eyes, and it's yeah. like, oh, let's spend forever together. I mean, I'm a half in, half out. But on the plus side, I will say, you know, this, it, it's gorgeous to look at. And I thought the themes, I don't, there are some subtextual and may, it's not even there, but it's just, I thought it timely because there's a certain xenophobia and then uh, that, 
you know, that has reared its head in this country uh, that much more lately. And the interesting thing of Puerto Ricans, even though they're Americans, being othered, um, I thought this it makes this movie that much more timely, especially because, uh, you know, after the uh, the hurricanes in Puerto Rico destroyed so much of it and like the slow rebuilding process down there. I, I know I'm like really going far afield for this, but I thought it just all of uh, the combination of uh, the news cycle of the past, like probably five years. It, I mean, it listen, made as a proud New York Puerto Rican, I know that this really hit home for you. You know I'm there. On you're the New Yorkian, third generation. <laughs> your your roots go very no, deep to just, the New Yorkian community. I, I, I thought. No, that's a lie. He's not. Way. He's not. And I'm not. I'm not. But but that being said, <laughs> yeah, the the story. Uh, you know, certain things are impactful, and then certain things are. Uh, you you like to be in America. Yes, yes. Uh, but <laughs> to, 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 to lyric from West Side Story, folks. Yes, I want to live in America. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's dumb to ask for this from a broad musical where in the midst of reality, people will break out into song. But a lot of, and I don't know if this uh, hits on any any of your issues with the story, but yeah, certain beats don't seem earned story-wise, like the love, like the the certain elements of like revenge or this character's feeling towards this character. It's just and it's never just, been my favorite musical. I feel like yeah. it that just it feels kind of dated and silly and long-winded to me, and I don't love the songs. And I know that that's you know heresy in some circles. It's like everybody's favorite. And I deeply apologize. And I, I insist, like, when you say that, I think it comes off as, like, that toxic bro shit. Like, oh, like musicals. And I swear it's not. It's not. I like 50s musicals. Like, I will watch Brigadoon and have no complaints. Like, I swear to you, it is yeah. specific to West Side Story. I, I got to strongly disagree as far as the songs, though. I think the songs are really, they're, they're, they're great. They're, there's a few, like, there's a few that... Like, There's a few that I I'm like. I'm snapping my fingers. I don't part. know if you can hear it, folks. But I'm snapping my uh, fingers. I'm but like that play it cool boy stuff. I I just think it's cheesy. I don't like it. I don't know. Oh, I can't see. help. I can't help it. That's my reaction. Uh, the one more. The one other thing I was yes. gonna say is uh, the guy playing Officer Krupke in this Brian Darcy James. You recognize yes. him? He's been in a bunch of other stuff. I do. I did recognize him. I did not know this until recently. My friend Drew, Video Drew, pointed this out to me. Sure. He was Broadway's Shrek. Did you know this? No. He was the star of Shrek on Broadway. And so I've wow. since looked up a bunch of YouTube clips of him performing as Shrek, and now it's burned into my brain. And oh, seeing God. him in a musical, my mind immediately just substitutes him as Shrek. That's quite a... It's not his fault. He's a wonderful actor. Uh, quite he's a Broadway terrific. pedigree. He is terrific. He also played King George. Jonathan Groff plays him in the, the Disney Plus it, Hamilton. Hamilton. Mm -hmm. uh, but Brian Darcy James was also uh, King George in other versions of Hamilton. He's got a quite, quite a Broadway pedigree. Shrek, King And now George. he's in West Side Story. He's Officer Krupke. You know, Alon is way off base here. West Side what? Story has wall-to-wall -wall bangers. I wall just, I, just bangers. I don't agree. It's it's no Les Mis, you know. Oh, I disagree. It's got it's it's got a strong a song <laughs> no, catalog. I know. Listen, I know. 
I understand. I get it. Everybody loves West Side Story but me. I've always been alone on this one. I'm used to it. I was in a film class at UCLA having the same argument. I like it, I just, but I did notice that it does this thing where it's like, oh, we made eye contact. We had a moment. Now we we're spending. We want to spend our life together. And I'm like, that's every musical. I mean, that that yeah. legitimately is almost every musical. But um, I, I think you know it's got enough magic to entertain you. Um, it's beautifully made, and the songs <laughs> are great. Like, yeah. uh, don't listen to Lon. Uh, like Fair if you're enough. if you're not familiar with when you're a jet, I want to live in America, etc. You know, oh, go along keep going. The oh, Fall in oh love yeah. For the first oh, time. give me more. Uh, I feel pretty. I gave. I said that one. Okay, listen. I just named three you songs. Ran what do you ran out there. Yeah, exactly. They're not that memorable. What's Wobble that one called? Where it's like, "Play it cool, boy." Da 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 da. da. Hey, Rita Moreno. She's back. She's wonderful. She's wonderful in this. She's very good. yeah. Uh, West Side Story. It's available on HBO Max. It's nominated for Best Picture. Steven and Spielberg. Disney Plus. It's also on Disney Plus. Oh yes, yeah. Dual. It's uh, has current dual citizenship it's on, on both, both of those on both. Uh, streamers. Yes. Uh, it, absolutely worth watching, but uh, don't uh, examine it under too fine a microscope. Under uh, otherwise, it might fall apart a little bit. Uh, also on HBO Max, Drive My Car. Uh, this is a Japanese film. Nominated for both Best Foreign Language Feature and Best Picture. And first Japanese film in history, Hal, to ever be nominated for Best Picture. Amazing, amazing. Um, and uh, you know what? It, it, it took me a moment to really, uh, you know, get, uh, get in the passenger seat and buckle in. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know what? I, I really, I, by the end, I was I fully was uh, won over, uh, and uh, I thought this was lovely, filled with great performances. A sad, lovely film, and um, I really like Drive My Car. It's it's worth this three hour journey. I f I thought this movie earned its three hours more so than the Batman. That's for sure. There you go. I I I think that's actually a very good metaphor. But to watch a movie like this is to put yourself in the passenger seat and mm. let a director take you on a journey. And I, mm -hmm. I think that is a lot of people are not willing to do that. They want to drive. And, and I think that they're, they're oh, for real. A lot of viewers want to be like, I want movies to give me what I want. And if it's not going in a place I want, I want it to stop and I want it to correct. And I want like, I want to just be like serviced. Mm -hmm. And, and this is a film that is like, listen, we're going to go on a ride. I'm going to take you on this trip. You're going to come with me. Maybe you'll meet me halfway and we'll end up somewhere we like, or maybe not. That's up to you. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, I always like that. And I like that feeling of confidence when you're like, I don't know where this movie is going to take me or I don't know. Like there's a point at about 40 minutes in to drive my car where yes. the opening credits begin and yes. you realize, oh, we're just now embarking on the story that this movie is going to really tell us. Like, that's what that's what yeah, it was like a 40 minute cold. Open. It is. And it, it, it and, and that's what I think is being communicated. It's, it's telling you that, like, OK, that's the that's the backstory that you need. That's the you establishment need to know this info. Yep. 
and now he's departing, he's going to a new place, and this is the real story that we're telling. And then sure enough, right after that is when I think he meets the other character. It's the essential sort of, you know, like partner on this journey that he's going yes. on. And uh, and that, that really is like kind of part of the key to the film. And, and I think that that, that confidence, the, the okay, I'm I'm in control of this experience, and I know 40 minutes is late into a movie to start the movie, but this is where the story starts. It it, it just it lets you know you're in the hands of someone who's gonna take the be earn your time. Yeah, and it it takes a lot of like balls to do that. I think. Yeah. I mean, I, well, I, this I, whole like, movie I've does. I've never seen. Yeah, I've never seen that in a movie where it's like, oh, roll like opening credits come up. 40 I was I had to do I had a little bit like a like recalibrate myself but, for a but moment this, to be like what this am I whole seeing film, but everything about this is audacious it's yes. it's it's long it is relying on you basically knowing Uncle Vanya or being open to learning yes. about the play Uncle Vanya yes uh, it is in a bunch of different languages are coming at you and you know like the, the some of them are subtitled and some of them are not let me give just a quick synopsis uh a theater teacher uh an an actor and his uh wife undergo tragedy and they have a very complicated relationship and uh the theater teacher um ends up having to go uh, uh across the country in Japan for another gig and he is given a driver and uh i don't know you're doing what, what? a terrible job this is okay. horrible go, you go ahead here i'm just going to read this off of this is from uh imdb an aging widowed actor seeks a chauffeur the actor turns to his go-to mechanic who ends up recommending a 20 you've you've left out literally the most important go ahead then you do it lon to me, the whole thing is like the yes. he's a well-known actor and director. He takes this assignment in Hiroshima, and the only way that he can learn his dialogue and that he knows how to work is listening to tapes of his dead wife. And that's how he learns his dialogue, and that's how he digests the play. Well, and now so, you're getting deep into the nitty-gritty. You're almost, that's the, you're almost that's giving the out hook. spoilers. You're but almost that's the giving hook. out spoilers. And so he's he's he's... He's reluctant to have a driver, but he agrees to have this driver because that's the policy, and therein is a, sort of the story of the movie. All right. Careful. Don't traffic in spoilers. That's the, that's the, that's the, the premise. You said widower. That's the same thing. You know, one of the things I loved about this movie, Lon... <laughs> yes. There are... You know, it explores grief. It explores loss. And... The, as the character, when the characters, uh, the, the the driver is played by a woman named uh, Toko Miura, and uh, the theater teacher and a slash actor, uh, he's played by, he's your main protagonist. He's played by uh, Hidetoshi uh, Nishijima. Mm -hmm. Apologies if any uh, mispronunciation there. They have such fucking human moments between them, where they are breaking down like the raw emotion that goes with loss or grieving or recovery or how to pick up the pieces of your broken life and move on. And it's like, man, like uh, they, it really some gut punches as far as putting humanity, raw humanity on display. And I thought it was just uh, really lovely and, and, and sad 
throughout. Like there are, there are several of these moments throughout the film. Yeah, I think uh, Americans, we want to find meaning in suffering. Like we don't just make a movie where it's like, life is suffering. We're all suffering. We like, mm -hmm. we gotta we gotta flip it somehow. We gotta be like, but here's the story of one man who found a way to make $10 million. Or here's a, you know, she turned her suffering into a win in volleyball. You know, like we yep. we can't we never we can't end the story there. We need it to be like inspiring in that in that mm -hmm. you know local TV way. And I think that uh, this is a film, and and maybe it's from a culture I don't know, or it's at least reflects a culture that's more willing to look suffering in the face, not hopeless, not full of despair finding meaning in human connection and how sort of, you know, the communal nature of what well, we are, we're all in this together. Yeah. Much like the, the, you know, much like Uncle Vanya, much like the Chekhov play that it's it's coming from. And I think, but I think that it's it's honest about it in a way that an American film would, would not be. And you'd have to find that meaning by reading between the lines because we'd sort of force this into a happier package. It was like, but the play was a uh -huh. success. You know, like in our version or like, but he, but he in a dream sequence at the end where everybody was applauding. Yeah. Or like, like a, a real happily ever after ending where like he's moved on and he's found love and we found love in a hopeless place. It would just be that he's the Joker. Oh, yeah. I mean, usually that's the case in American films. It would be Harley drive my car, and uh, we all know that. That you know what? When they remake the American version of this, just like you know they're doing, they do with all, uh, you know, with Infernal Affairs. Yeah, they're the raid, never going to do an American version of this. <laughs> so, the, and there's so much at play. Like you mentioned, Uncle Vanya. I mean, well, that, of course, it's the, the, uh, yeah, the backbone of we the movie. Explore, yes, we explore Uncle Vanya throughout. We see scenes from it. We talk about it. And it adds such a rich subtext and sometimes main text. Yeah, I, to, I think by the end of this movie, you probably heard most of the text of the play Uncle yeah, Vanya. It really gives you so much food for thought. There, like, I would watch this again just to dissect. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this film, and it sits with you. It, it, it like th there are scenes, there are moments that resonate with you. I, I really, I was very happy that we watched this film, and I was glad. to Well, see it. good. It's about time somebody broadened your goddamn horizons. I know. Uh, I haven't seen Metropolis. <laughs> uh, drive just, my I'm car. I'm absolutely kidding. It's just a uh, is very well viewed, a sophisticated man of the world. Well, that's that's lovely of you to say. Uh, Drive My Car is available on HBO Max, Oscar nominated, and, and I, double Oscar nominated uh, for Best Picture, Best Foreign Language, and I think uh, worth it, worth it, uh, really enjoyed it. Definitely worth checking out, yes. And additionally, uh, new to Disney Plus this week, Turning Red. Yes. Uh, this is a story of a uh, young girl in early 2000s Toronto, um, she's, they say uh, Toronto. They say Toronto. Toronto. I say Toronto. If you put the T in it, you sound like you've never been there, which I have not, but I like to sound like I've been places. I've been there once, but you couldn't tell it by my pronunciation. No, no. I like people to think I've been places. I really haven't been hardly anywhere. This is a Disney Pixar coming of age story, and uh, it also has a lot of cultural resonance. This, uh, so this uh, young girl is entering 
her womanhood. Uh, she is uh, uh, budding, as they say. You know what? I'm going to stop describing Gross. that. Gross. Yeah, please, what? <laughs> Why? To a 13-year-old named May, May Lynn. Yes. And uh, she discovers that suddenly in she a clear, boys. in a obvious metaphor for puberty, that yes. when she gets too excited, she turns into a red panda because of a family curse. It's a little similar, I think, in the setup to the Teen Wolf films in some way. Yes. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's like a ripoff. I don't think it's a ripoff, but it is similar enough that you could compare it to the Teen Wolf films. And I think right. that, you know, that's like the core metaphor. And here's what I think is really interesting about it. In addition, I liked it a lot. There's a lot that's interesting about it. One thing I think is interesting about it is that normally that would power the story. The mm -hmm. like, she's this girl and she's got this horrible secret that if she gets too riled up, she turns into this big disgusting panda thing. And this movie dispenses with that right away. Like everybody finds out it's not a secret anymore. And now it's like, what is she gonna do with the panda power and the 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 authority that it sort of gives her, the ability to make money, the ability to sort of like rebel. And I think that's so interesting. And it's not unique, like Pixar, they've done this a few times where they like, cause Luca as well, I think we talked about this, where yes. it wasn't, you could have made the whole movie just about like they're fish boys and they have to stay out of the water or they turn back into fish boys. As opposed to island boys. And Luca was like, not about that. It was like, okay, they're land boys now. What are they gonna do with the fact that they're on land? They're gonna become mm -hmm. astronomers or they're gonna become fishermen or they're gonna whatever. Like they're gonna integrate into human society in all these sort of interesting or provocative ways. And I, I love that that Pixar does that. There's like that level of sort of thought put into it that it doesn't just fall back on what could obviously power like the DreamWorks version of this, right. which is just like, oh God, I'm a panda, my crush is gonna see. I gotta uh, turn back it, you know, like it doesn't go for any of those easy moves. Yeah, tore off the Band-Aid and it's like, instead of uh, what if people find out, no, it takes it to the next level. And uh, it's rooted in, it's it's got a, you know, one of the things it has going for it, uh, it's a lovely exploration of uh, chi some Chinese uh, cultural um, uh, pillars and, you know, and what? Your face. This is the word pillar. Chinese cultural pillars. I was like, man, the five, the five pillars of China: dumplings, uh, Chinatown, pandas. Uh, <laughs> it was just the ideas, use of the word. It was just the I use of the word pillars. I just thought the use of the word pillars is funny. You know what? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm poor sorry. word choice. This has been binge <laughs> boys. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make fun. I'm sorry. And just the idea of uh, filial piety, you know, having to be totally uh, just loyal and uh, and dutiful as a child to one's parents and uh, almost to a fault. Like the, the parents in this movie, especially the mother, so strict. I really dislike her so much. Oh, really? See, I yeah. think, because I read, there was, obviously there was a lot of Twitter debate 
uh, about like, is this relatable? Because there was a there was a review early on where a white guy was like, I don't see myself in this because he's a little you know like Chinese Canadian girl. Yeah, uh, and it's like you know like I I think you could read the metaphor straight up as like a period. I mean, turning red. Like, Mm -hmm. I think on one level, you can read it as just like, it's about getting your period and becoming a woman and, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't necessarily think it just plays on that level because I did find it relatable in terms of having a strict mother with a lot of expectations on you and having to sort of like define your identity and having a lot of peers who didn't have those same obstacles like that that really did resonate with me like i felt like of my group i was the may may who had the overbearing mom who was like i gotta go i don't you know i can't hang out i can't go to the concert i can't do the thing because my mom is you know like we got to go to piano practice and and so i did actually find this sort of semi-relatable even though obviously i didn't have a first period yeah, I mean, it does connect in as much as being in your tweens or teens is an awkward phase for most of us. And uh, so I connected with it in that way. But I wouldn't, you know, I think you definitely like this m- movie more than I did. I I didn't find it completely, you know, I just felt like maybe it wasn't for me in as much as, oh, this is felt like a little bit more of kids Pixar, if that makes sense any sense. There was some stuff that I liked. I mean, uh, there's a very fun riff on 90s boy bands, which is enjo- which was enjoyable here. Otherwise, I thought this was good, not great. There are things that I, you could connect with, but overall, I wouldn't say it's one of these films where it's like kids and adults alike are gonna, like, there's stuff for the parents and, and adults, there's stuff for the kids. I think it's, to me, it felt a little bit more of like a kid's Pixar, but still enjoyable. Still enjoyable. I don't agree. I like this okay. a lot. Uh, I, I yeah, I, way more than Luca. Probably about as much as Soul. Uh, I think Coco. Coco still probably to me feels like a cut above, maybe like the yeah. best of modern Pixar. I mean, Coco just like man. I to this day I sing "Remember Me." Uh, yeah, I really loved that one. And that, just like the design of the afterlife in that, I think that's like as good as Pixar gets, basically. So I'm not sure yeah. this is quite on that level, but I would definitely put this on the level of like a, another soul. Yeah, I, I'd say soul was a was a, a level above this. And I liked, uh, I said this on Twitter too, I like both this and soul. Uh, one thing I really like about both of them is uh, the cityscapes, like... Mm-hmm. The they're they're getting so good at these like Pixar fied versions of real world locations and yeah. so uh, New York and Seoul mm-hmm. and then Toronto here uh, it's so cool. I'm picturing it right now. It is very cool and there's a great sequence. I love the sequence uh, by the way where she turns into the panda and she goes and she's like half panda half girl like leaping over buildings uh, as we get towards a climactic part of the film I thought that was uh, really wonderful and, and yeah, you get a great totally. look at the city uh, yeah so, it's a really yeah, there's it's a, a really lot visually like cool here. one I liked it a lot I'm surprised yeah like you know uh, well I guess if, if uh, you know if a jaded fuck like Lon can like it I know right <laughs> then maybe maybe it's doing something right. Uh, uh, he liked it a little more than me. Turning Red 
is available on Disney Plus. Uh, there's some good stuff, and um, I, I enjoyed the cultural pillars. Gotta love those pillars, man. Pill- it, it does have great-looking pillars. Finally, another film that it seems like Lon also liked more than me, uh, The French Dispatch. Uh, on HBO Max. You didn't like the French Dispatch? Fuck you. I like it. I'm out. I'm leaving the podcast, folks. So this is, uh, this is, uh, essentially a, an obituary to, uh, a, uh, a newspaper editor told in several vignettes. And if you, here's the thing. If you love Wes Anderson, you'll love this. If you're like, oh, I like some Wes Anderson. I would say it's it, it it is that it is very much a a very in the Wes Anderson world, but it's also I do think you need a little bit of a French movie background to truly like it's it's also it's weirdly these two things at the same time. I don't understand why. Uh-huh. In Wes Anderson's mind, this makes sense. It is a nod to the New Yorker in like this yes. era. In the sixties and seventies, and like the writers who wrote for the New Yorker in that time, but it is also a celebration of classic French cinema from that time, like Tati and a lot of French New Wave directors. And if mm-hmm. you're not up on all that stuff, it does sort of feel like some of this might not be your cup of tea. And I like that. I and felt- I'm not saying that's true of you or not true of you. I'm saying for the listeners out there. Bear all of that in mind. And it's got all of the hallmarks of Wes Anderson. It's like the, every frame is like its own little diorama or painting or well-curated. It's extremely twee. You have all uh, all of his, his regular cast of characters, so many people uh, that uh, populate his films. It's a little bit like... His stop motion movies and his live action movies are like almost colliding in a weird way. Well, like there's a combination of styles. There there is there is a whole animated sequence in this, but I just mean like mm. he's literally using stop motion techniques to like build out this whole world. So more than like Grand Budapest introduced some of this already. This one goes even further with it, where like we really are almost entering a like alternate fantasy world in this movie. And the the Tati comparisons, like if you've ever seen Mon, Mon Oncle is a, I'm pronouncing that weird. Mon Oncle. Mon Oncle. Yeah, there you go. Uh, my Uncle. That Tati sure. movie get, gets a direct shout out. There's that, there's that long scene where the waiter is walking up the, the like complicated building. Yes. That's a that's a direct nod to a Tati movie. Gotcha, but there's gotcha. nods all all over this movie to playtime and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, there's a lot going on. And listen, I didn't dislike it because, you know, Wes Anderson, as Lon was alluding to with the references to the New Yorker writers of uh like one of the golden ages of uh, that magazine in its early days and then uh French uh, cinema like there's so much to chew on there it, there's a lot of eye candy and fun stuff and just whimsy so unless you're dead inside you're going to like it a little bit But this, this is really it's really just a, a collection of shorts that are all sort of tied together by this feat it, is and that's where I feel like it fell apart a little bit for me. In as much as like I for, at times I forgot, not you know literally, but 
but it's like, what am I watching and why am I watching this again? How does it tie into the greater good of this film? I, I almost felt like that was, I, I, I don't know, I, I guess, I don't know. To me, I felt like that played in its favor. Like, it, 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 it you know, it, each of these stories only has to be 30, 40 minutes. It just gets to be the meat, you know, the most compelling stuff. And then you're on to the next setting. You're on to the new cast of characters. And it let him cycle through all these ideas and moods and tones. It was and a little bit moments. hit and miss. Like, I didn't love, uh, I didn't love the, uh, the Timothy Chalamet uh, I agree. That's the weakest one. The Francis McDormand-Timothy Chalamet one. one. Uh, I loved, but only because I thought the Jeffrey Wright one was incredible. Oh, the Jeffrey Wright one was was Incredible. Great. And, so uh, good. and he was doing a riff on James Baldwin, right? Yes, if there's one other guy that like influenced it, but it's definitely supposed to be, especially the stuff with him where he's like he's on Leave Schreiber. Leave Schreiber's yes. playing a version of Dick Cavett, and yes. it's based on those old talk shows with Dick Cavett and James Baldwin. James Baldwin, you know, one of uh, one of the great thinkers and social commentators of like the modern era, and uh, it was really enjoyable to see Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright was just delicious. He's fantastic. That whole segment I thought was really great. Yeah, that was good. I I don't know. I love the whole thing. I liked every segment. I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> no, like I said, there there's a lot there's a lot to enjoy here. But the overall thing where we're eulogizing uh, the the editor of this paper, I'm like, oh, that fell a little flat. I don't know. Like, it, okay. I mean, it is. It, it's on the occasion of like the the idea is Bill Murray plays the editor in chief of this magazine uh, that is operated out of Liberty, Kansas, but is they run it from from this fictional city that's supposed to evoke Paris, but is actually called. Angsten Ennui or something. Yes. It's got some funny <laughs> name. Uh, and uh, so that's Bill Murray. And so the the idea is when he dies in his will, the magazine has to shut down. And like that's its last issue. So we're getting all of the articles that would have run in the last issue we're seeing as short films. Yeah. And then we're also getting his obituary and we're also getting this segment with Owen Wilson where he just bicycles around the city and writes down his thoughts. I, uh, that was a nothing burger. I, I disagree. I, it's very charming, I thought. And it really does evoke an old magazine and leafing through an old magazine that was writerly. And, and I think that the... The obituary idea, the idea that this is a eulogy extends not just to Bill Murray's character, the editor of this this magazine, but uh, honestly, in some ways, too, to people being well read, to people even caring about any of mm. this stuff. And I feel like just like in our conversation where it's like my warning at the beginning where it's like, look, if you don't care about The New Yorker and if you don't care about great writers of the mid 20th century. Mm -hmm. If you don't care about classic French movies, this movie's not for you. And I don't mean that in a pejorative way, or I don't mean that in a condescending way. I get it, listen, that's not for everybody. People don't care. But I think that that there used to be a baseline expectation, maybe 50 to 70, 80 years ago, mm -hmm. that people would, that most people who were educated would have a baseline interest in, 
foreign politics and classic films and, you know, great literature. And, and there isn't today. Have a frame of reference that like, okay, right. at least like bottom line it, we can connect on X, Y, and Z facts or ideas. Exactly. And, and there, there isn't anymore. There is no more canon. There is no more mm -hmm. accepted body of work that everybody knows. Now it's everywhere and it's everything. And what you like has nothing to do with what I like and what you're into. Yeah, I've never heard of the thing that exactly. is your number one fandom. And this is in some ways a a fond look back at a different time in the world when it sure. meant a different thing to be, you know... Uh, a, a learned, sof learned, sophisticated person, and I and I think that that's uh, there's a sweetness, there's a bittersweetness to this movie that I thought was really nice. Uh, true. Also, uh, uh, Wes Anderson at his uh, most uh, maybe risque, uh, uh, Leah Sadu is nude for half the film here. She's playing a she's playing an art model. Has there ever been a, a, another nude scene in a Wes Anderson? Uh, huh. I don't know. I don't know. Does, it was, is, there, is there a topless shot of Gwyneth in, in Royal Tenenbaums, maybe? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, not that I've got uh, any issue with the delightful uh, Leah Seydoux. She, it's very tasteful. She's playing an artist model. It's not, like, salacious. Okay, I can uh, I can, I can uh, see eye to I, eye with I you don't, on that. I, yeah, I don't think it's it's not porny or like softcore. It's very tasteful. She's being painted by Benicio del Toro. He's a brilliant artist. There you go. It's just European, man. That's just European. It's some real European stuff, man. Yeah, you're just you. You know, the French Dispatch. It's on HBO Max if you are so inclined. And uh, again, Lon liked it a bit more than I did. Yeah. Folks, those are the movies we watched. We get it. I like French movies. We get it. Oh, boy. Jeez. Didn't dislike every, it. Didn't dislike every it. Every week. My, my God. Who cares? I would, I would call it second tier Wes Anderson. Oh, how dare you. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, hoot, hoot. <sighs> Owl no. Nation, you where am I the hooligans it. at? Uh, Starburns Audio, thank you for having us. Travis Reeves, thank you for uh, the production value. Jason K, thank you for the musical value. China, thank you for the pillars. Yes. Juan? Yes. Uh, anything else to say to the folks? Uh, no, that's it. Follow me on Twitter at L-O-N-S- You'll hear a lot of my thoughts on all this shit before I say it here, but I'll say it here with more color. So, you know, you, you make the call. It's up yeah. to you. You can catch Lon elaborating on these things that you might, <laughs> you know, that you, that you my, can't fit into 140 characters. That's the podcast difference. Elaboration. That's the podcast difference. And you can find me on Twitter at Hal Rudnick. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye now. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch boys, bitch boys. Bitch in the fuck out of shit.